0: 6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on
1: 6.30 Chad. But right now I want to get to this and there's a lot to keep up on today when it comes to COVID-19. Let's start with this. It is being called the double mutant variant of COVID-19. It has been driving a record surge of new cases in India and it's arrived in Canada. BC and Quebec have both reported cases and yesterday Alberta... Announced its first case of the B1617 variant. I also must report that we have now confirmed the first case in Alberta of the B1617 variant, first identified in Denmark. It's also been found in California and is a key driver in the rise of rapidly spreading cases that we are seeing in India. This variant was in a returning interprovincial traveler to Alberta, and no additional cases of this variant have been detected to date. As with all new variants, research is underway to understand what may be different about the B1617 variant, how it spreads, and if it creates more severe illness. So far, we are calling this a variant of interest as we work with colleagues across the country to monitor the latest findings on this variant as evidence emerges from around the world. So, as you just heard Dr. Hinshaw say, it's not officially designated as a variant of concern by the Public Health Agency of Canada. It is being treated as a variant of interest, and federal health officials say they are closely monitoring it. I guess so. In response to growing concerns about its spread as well, the Canadian government announced a 30-day ban on passenger flights from India and Pakistan yesterday afternoon. Let's find out more with microbiologist Jason Tetro also the author of The Germ Code and The Germ Files, host of The super awesome science show hi Jason welcome back to the show
0: Hello, great to be joining you.
1: <laughs> All right. What do we need to know about this double mutant variant of COVID-19?
0: Well, it is one of those mutants where you had a mutant that was circulating in the world a little while ago, and you have a mutant that just kind of appeared in the last few months, and they got into somebody and then they mixed and said, Hey, let's let's do uh-huh. this together. It's like getting the band back together, right? <laughs> um, and so as a result of that. Just like creating a super group in music, you've created a bit of a super strain when it comes to uh, 1.617. Uh, but here's the really interesting thing: the reason that it's a variant under investigation, as, a pair, as opposed to maybe a variant of concern, mm-hmm. is because it is a little bit unlike the B117, the one that's actually circulating really, really well uh, in in Alberta right now, because it doesn't seem to have the same impact on your health so the b117 seems to be creating a worse disease that is lasting longer and maybe putting more people into dire or severe situations the 617 doesn't seem to be doing that as readily as we saw with the 117 so that's why it's a, a one of investigation could it possibly become dominant well there's a little mutation in there that might give it a little bit of an added advantage so maybe but at this point It's still prevented by wearing a mask and social distancing, you know. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> the same things we keep hearing but here's the thing we keep hearing that over and over and over again and it seems uh you know hey people people are obviously getting fed up but we're still mm-hmm. seeing uh, and, and we're still seeing a lot of spread so there has to be some concern that this you know if you look and again i get that india is different than alberta but if you're if you're looking at spread and the, and, and the possibility of it being more contagious or more easily spread um mm-hmm. you know y- 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 isn't that something that we all have to keep in mind and maybe just be a little cautious about? A lot
0: cautious about? Yeah, absolutely. And and if you start looking at the variants and you start looking at how they spread in comparison to the original lineage, in order for us to be able to get to elimination, remember back in May of last year, you know, we were all getting haircuts and all that type of thing and we just didn't really worry about it. Well, we had to reduce our contact level to about 60% of normal, okay? Mm The variants... Have actually reduced that even further to somewhere between 40 and 50 percent. So you actually have to cut down and decrease the amount of contact that you've been having. And unfortunately, over the last few months, we've gotten used to increasing. That amount of Uh contact Uh so it's not surprising that not only are we seeing this new surge but that it's dwarfing the other surges of the past simply because of the nature of the virus and also human nature by thinking well we're getting towards the end so therefore we can just kind of do whatever we want no
1: yeah Mhm. Uh, great point there, Jason. So, um, you know, just because it spreads more easily, the, the, or that mm-hmm. the potential is there for it to spread more easily, doesn't mean that it's more deadly. And I, I from what I've been reading, now, yeah. what do you know on on that front? When you when you look at the research that uh, that has come in so far, and and we have to understand that we're learning as we go along, right? I mean, it's not like mm-hmm. we have all sorts of books already written about what we can expect. <laughs>
0: Well, yes and no. Remember, I'm an expert on SARS, the original one, so I can kind yeah. of um, guess. And there's actually been something that happened in the SARS CoV 2 that mimics what happened with SARS. And that's one of the reasons why this uh, B117 and uh, a couple of the others seem to be much more troublesome. Because remember, when we talk about the mutants, we're talking about the spike protein, you know, the knobby bit yes. on the end, whenever. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, is that there's a number of other proteins. And one of them actually is in charge of creating stress inside of your cells. And when it causes stress, that's when you have inflammation. And we've all heard about inflammation. So a little change in a protein that causes that stress can turn the stress from just being, you know, eh, I'm not really liking this to, oh, dear goodness, I'm in a panic attack. And as a result of that, what is happening is that that particular mutation is actually leading our bodies to really have a much more violent reaction against the virus. And when that happens, we end up paying for it. And we all know that because every time we show up with a flu, if it's a flu we've seen before, we kind of go, eh, I got the flu sniff. But if it's a flu we haven't seen before, we're in bed for five days going, Oh my gosh! Make it stop. So mm-hmm. that's basically the difference between the primary, the first lineage, and the lineage that's currently spreading.
1: Uh, my question for you, Jason, and I hear this a lot. Is like, the, is this how is this going to end? Because I mean, viruses mutate. That's what <laughs> they do. I right. mean, and if we're just going to continue to see, you know, the virus mutate and mutate mm-hmm. and change and change, how do we end it, or do okay. we?
0: Yeah, well, we do, but it's going to take a while. So, first off, the first thing that you have to realize is if we had gone with generation 1.0 of the vaccine, we'd all be in trouble because it was just a very small piece of the spike protein. But then a group down in Texas decided that they were going to create a different kind of spike protein that might actually change the immune response and be able to resist any kind of variance. And that's the one that we have in all four of the approved vaccines. So, basically, we have the ability to, for the most part, resist against the variants to uh, any great extent so that we're not going to see much more in terms of severe and, and, and worse mm-hmm. infections. But we probably will still see mild. And what that's going to lead to is basically uh, a cold, flu and COVID season. And yes, we probably are going to have side by side flu vaccines and COVID boosters. We've already mm-hmm. heard about the contract with Pfizer yes. for the next few years. But a universal vaccine is in the works. And believe it or not, we actually talk about that on my next show next, uh, next yeah. week. Um, and if we get to a universal vaccine, then we're going to be able to do to this what we did with measles.
1: So, well, OK, that's interesting. But for right now, I, there, there is some concern about the efficacy of, of, of the vaccines when it comes to Uh, well Mm -hmm. the the b1617 at least but you know what do we know on on that front
0: yeah so far there hasn't been any concern uh we're still seeing um a reduct a small reduction in uh, effectiveness so you know maybe instead of 95 percent, it's probably more like 75 percent. but i mean (laughs) it's still really good Mm -hmm. where the trouble could possibly lie is if we start to see changes in what we consider to be consensus sequences otherwise known as they're always in the same spot of the same virus regardless of what's type of lineage it is if that changes then we might see a little bit more of what we call these escape mutations we haven't seen it yet so that's a very good thing so i don't think anyone really needs to be concerned and so go and get the vaccine and it's going to protect you against all the variants to this point
1: so we know yesterday um the uh, the canadian government put in place a new restrictions on incoming travel from india and pakistan for uh, 30 days your thoughts on on what that um you know <laughs> what that's going to do with all of Well,
0: we've already sort of seen the idea that um, when you don't close borders, when people are yelling and screaming about it, it really hurts you and it prevents you from having an election. So in that light, closing borders really helps. Um, but if you want to talk about it from a virological perspective, as opposed to a political one, then Uh, basically (laughs) what you're trying to do is you're trying to slow the spread so that we don't hear, uh, Dr. Tam or Dr. Hinshaw basically say, oh, well, we now have 35 new cases that have flown in because it's just very, very bad press when you think about it. Um, is it actually going to reduce the chances that we're going to have an increase, As long as that single case of 617 is being kept in isolation and hasn't really broken any of those, um, you know, isolation barriers, I don't think we're going to have to worry about it. But is 30 days going to be enough? That's the secondary question. And well, I mean, we'll probably start to see extensions if, if it's not
1: well i mean the thing is there's one case in alberta that we know of right now but bc and quebec uh ontario Mm -hmm. reporting it uh now i want to get your just your your thoughts on on the uptake of the vaccine of astrazeneca by the uh the gen xers and now we are Mm -hmm. hearing today that uh millennials are going to be able to get it if there is uh if there is vaccine still available and i think that's the big one because the supply is an issue of course uh, across the country right here in alberta but uh your thoughts on on what you saw over the past week or so when it comes to that uptake of of the um of the astrazeneca vaccine by uh, that 40 plus age group
0: uh, yay <laughs> i mean it's great
1: I I guess d- what, what, but what does it do for others like does it does it say hey you know when, when we see all these pictures do you think that maybe it 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 gets you know people who might have been uh, you know thinking i'm not going to do this maybe over to the you know, vaccine team side or
0: not? Well, I put it this way. The way you can tell if a vaccine campaign is working is how viciously hard the anti-vaccine or vaccine hesitancy movement is trying to stop it. And just recently in Rocky Mountain House, we heard of a store that actually put up a sign saying, if you've been vaccinated, don't come in because, you know, we don't want your virus in here you do not shed that virus with any of these vaccines for that matter but anyway when you start hearing it going from you know the scientific to the ludicrous it means that the vaccines are winning and what it also means is that It's not really up to you or to me to convince somebody to go and get a vaccine. It really comes down to the fact that the misinformation and disinformation out there is becoming so ludicrous that nobody should believe it. No one's going to believe it. And everybody's going to realize that you should be getting in line to get a vaccine. I think we've gotten past that point of trying to... you know, coax people, trying to, you know, give them those carrots uh, that 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 they come in yeah. to get in line and ro- roll up the sleeves. I think everybody knows by now what a vaccine is going to be able to do. And so uh, I do believe that we're probably still going to have somewhere between a 12 to 15% hesitancy. But at this point, we still yeah. will get to a nice um, uh, herd immunity, if you want to call it, I call it elimination threshold by around the summer
1: interesting stuff just one more question michael texted in and said hey can you ask jason if it's okay to get vaccinated while taking chemotherapy treatment
0: Uh, yes uh, this is something that you really should be talking about with your oncologist believe it or not I have a few friends who are uh, uh, cancer patients Um, they have been vaccinated but it is a conversation you really should be having with your oncologist because they will know uh, what type of medications you have and whether or not Mm -hmm. those are going to be significantly immunosuppressive if you can make sure that you let them know so that you get on the list and get it that uh, four weeks later or three weeks later if it's Pfizer um, so that you can absolutely be uh, fully protected
1: yeah, and that was just announced yesterday. Jason, always appreciate your time. Thanks for this. Hey, it was a pleasure. Take care. Yeah, You betcha, Jason Tetro, microbiologist, host of the Super Awesome Science Show. So, uh, as I mentioned, um, um, it was announced today that... They're going to open up AstraZeneca to those 30 years of age and over, as I mentioned, there's going to be a bit of a problem with supply. But also, there were some uh, modeling numbers that came out at a federal level today, looking at kind of the percentage of the number of Canadians that have to be vaccinated uh, before we see a summer maybe of fewer public health restrictions.